This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Well, we're back. Uh, it's good to have you here with us, whether you're joining us here live or watch it later on or on YouTube, however you do it, or download as a podcast. Uh, today I want to talk to you about faith and waiting. We're currently in um, uh, going through selected psalms, and we're going to travel through Psalm 77 today. But faith and waiting. <clears throat> you know this. I'm not going to tell you anything new right now, so you know this, what I'm going to say initially. Um it's very easy to, because of the speed of things in our life, currently in lifetime, how we've watched things speed up, <clears throat> it's easy to equate or to look at God's slowness as the possibility that He just doesn't care about us or He's forgotten us. Because we're so used to getting things fast. Anywhere you look, I mean, just, I love microwaves, they work quick. <laughs> They're fast. Fast food's great too. Uh, most of it is anyway. But things move fast. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, certain movies you wanted to see, they came out once a year. <laughs> that was it. You missed it? <laughs> oh well, that was it. So you waited. But um, today, you don't have to wait for anything. Uh, you can go watch whatever movie you want whenever you want. It's a whole different world. Things move fast. I mean, my gosh, when your phone isn't, isn't moving fast enough, it drives you nuts, or your computer. Um, <clears throat> so we're not used to waiting. Have you ever noticed how um, impatient or even angry some of us get when people or things just don't move fast enough for us? When things that we expect to transpire in our time frame don't happen in our time frame, but we can really get impatient and bitter and angry, huh? See, we've, we've come to this place in life that some things, because the way we've been socialized, some everything should be coming quickly. The problem is our life isn't a movie. It's just, it's not a movie you can watch anytime you want to. Our life is, it's life. And life doesn't always move as fast as we want it. Some things don't happen the way we want to. And so we can take this idea, or this reality, I should say, and we can put that on God. God, you're not doing certain things. You must be uncaring, distant, powerless, something. Something's wrong here, God, because you're not moving the way I think you should move and the way socialistically we everything moves fast. Now, the writer of Psalm 77 is struggling with this. He's the same guy we talked about last week, Asaph. Now he's struggling with something else. But I like that. I like the fact, like I said last week, the guy's honest. That's what I love about the Bible. It's honest. It's open. They share with you what's really going on. That's why we can relate to it. And the more honest you are with yourself, the faster and more your healing comes. Now, <clears throat> he's going to struggle with something. He's going to examine some truths that's that are going to help him. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Asaph's reality. We're going to look at his transition. And we're going to look at his greater reality after the transition. Okay? Sound like a plan? Okay, so here we go. The first thing I want to say is this, his reality. What is his reality? He questions God. 
about his current situation. He's got a question with God again, like we saw last week in Psalm 73. He's got a question of God with God about his current situation. Look at verses 1 through 5 of, chapter, of Psalm 77. He says, My voice rises to God, and I will cry aloud. That's interesting because he's a, he's a worship leader, so he's used to his voice. He's used to singing. His voice is loud out there. But now he's crying to God. My voice rises to God, and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Good move, Asaph. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. He's, he's reaching out to God for an answer on something. He says, well, it's, a, it's a crazy statement. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. Wow. As he thinks about God, it's disturbing to him. Something's really bugging this guy. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. And then he says, Selah. He says, stop, Selah, stop and meditate. Stop and think about what I just said, he says. Verse 4, you have held my eyelids open. In other words, I can't sleep. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I don't even have the words to say to even communicate what I'm so troubled about here. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. Huh. Let me tell you right off the bat. He's struggling with something. You know it. I know it. I wish I knew what he was struggling with, but I really don't know what, he was, what he's struggling with. We just, we just don't know. <clears throat> but we all know that um, <clears throat> something's causing him to cry out to God. Something's causing him to stay up at night. It's troubling him day in, day out. But, that, but when he says there in verse 3, when I remember God, I am disturbed. Oh man, that, that's a big statement. There's something about God, either God isn't doing, doing whatever it is, that's really bugging him. And like I said last week, that's normal faith. Don't panic over that. We all have bouts like this. But it, what it should do and hopefully does, is it propels you and I and it causes us to seek God's Word out to understand what's going on, to get clarity, to build stronger faith. But I would ask this question off that. What's troubling you today? What's troubling you about God today? What is God doing, not doing? What's going on? What's troubling you? Be honest. <clears throat> Don't let those things fester inside your soul. It only gets worse. Speak it. Get it out. Talk about it. Ask questions. Read your word. Talk to older Christians. What's troubling you today? Dig into this word for the answers. It's like this. If you're in a relationship <clears throat> if something troubles you about that person who knows whatever it is do you talk to them do you go to that person you're in a relationship with do you ask them for clarity on it or do you turn on the news or do you talk to people that don't even know that person that you're in a relationship with to to find whatever whatever out <clears throat> 
See, the thing is, if you're a healthy person, and I'll stress it again, if you're a healthy, emotional person growing in your faith, emotions are developing, then you're going to talk to the person you're in relationship with for clarity. You're not going to let things fester because, listen, listen, you know what I'm going to tell you now. You've all experienced it. When you don't talk to that person and get clarity, what happens? You start to make the case bigger in your head. Do you not? You might start with a question, not sure about this, why this, and, and turns into a lie, and this lie, and this lie, and this lie, and gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your head. Don't we do that? We all seem to do crazy things like that. <clears throat> the best deal is go talk to them. Get the answers. Get clarity. It's the same with our relationship with God. You got questions or things? Go to God's Word. Talk to an older Christian who understands God's Word to give you answers, to give you clarity. But don't go for the world. Don't go to the world for answers. You will never get the right answer on that one. Now, the question, what is troubling this writer? What is troubling Asaph? Well, let's, let's look at it because we don't know exactly what it is, but he gives us some big hints in it right here. Watch this, what he says. This is wild. Verses 6 through 9, he says, I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. This is what he's thinking on the inside and now it's coming out. Will the Lord reject forever? Listen to what he's saying. And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has He in anger withdrawn His compassion? And then, Selah, stop and meditate. Think about it. He says that again. I want you to think now. Now think. Here's what we fall prey to. This is something we, we, we struggle with when we're waiting on something. He says, God has rejected forever. He says, God will never favor me again. It's now forever, never. Then he says, God's love has ceased forever. <laughs> and then he says, God's promises forever ended. And then he adds, he caps it with, God has forgotten and withdrawn from me. Forever, never, forever, forever. And in there, what he's saying about God's forever, never, forever, forever, he's saying God's favor, God's grace, God's love, and God's promise to me, they're done. It's forever gone. It's forever over. God's never going to do this. Wow. Let me, let me, let me share with you something that I, that I think will help. Something I learned a long time ago, decades and decades ago, and I'm so glad. I don't know if somebody taught it to me. I don't know if I read it in a book. I don't know. But as I was searching out uh, on my road to um, emotional healing in God, emotional relational healing, which I think everybody needs some of that because we're not Jesus yet. And I'm still on that road 30, 32 years later. It will not end till I'm in heaven. Let me tell you one of the big deals I learned, among many big deals. 
like I said, I don't know if I read it somewhere or who told it, but it was something called, and I use this all the time talking to people because it helps them understand something. They call it either or. What is either or type lifestyle or thinking? What is that? It means this. It's either all the way this way or it's all the way that way. It's either all the way good or it's all the way bad. This is a very common dysfunction. Not only did I find it in me, I find it in all kinds of people. It's the no middle ground. It's the no balance whatsoever. It's all the way this way either or it's all the way that way. This ruins relationships. It ruins life. It ruins friendships. It ruins our relationship with God. It's a ruiner. And here's the problem. We take and put God in either He's all the way good because He's doing what I want or He's not good anymore. Does He's abandoned me, He's rejected me because He's not doing what I want and it's not happening. It's not coming quick. It doesn't care about me. Either or. Let me tell you something right now. God isn't either or. We are. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God isn't either or. We are either or. We make this case in our head. The writer, I just, you know, when it comes to either, I gave you a really big one right now for some of you. Because too many people live in this emotional extreme thinking. It, and it ruins relationships, and it ruins you emotionally. I'll leave it at that. I'll keep going. The writer of Psalm 77, he's living in or. He's in or thinking. See, either, oh, God's good, God's good. Or, see, he's living in or. Where's God? What's going on? God is rejected. God's never going to be there again. God's loving kindness is ceased. His promise is never. It's a, he's, li he's living in or, man. And it leads to all kinds of crazy negative thinking. So the question, how does he or anyone get out of either or kind of thinking and get back to center, get back to balance of Scripture again? How do you get out of that? Well, that's point two. That's his transition. <laughs> he thinks about God's track record. This is how he's going to get out of this extreme thinking. He's gonna, he starts to think about God's track record. Now watch verses 11 through 14. He says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. We don't use that word much, but it's a cool word. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. Mm, 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 I like that. What he's doing is he's transitioning. <clears throat> now watch the way his thinking transitions and how. Because this is very important. The first thing we find in verse 11 is faith has a good memory. Strong, growing faith has a good memory. Next time you read through the Old Testament, watch how many times God tells people, leaders, remember. Remember when I did this. Remember when I did this. Remember. Because those remembering things build your faith for the future. See, he's saying he remembers God's deeds from the past. 
He remembers the wonders of God from the past. If somebody came up to me and tried to begin to fill my mind with negative thoughts and comments about my wife, that she really doesn't love you and she doesn't care about you anymore, and yeah, even though she married you September 9, 1981, uh, she just, she, she, she's not in love with you, she'd like to opt out of this marriage, I got an option. I can let that person's words sink into my head and I can start questioning Olivia's faithfulness to me, you know, as I'm driving down the road, either or, either or, either or. Or I can think on her track record. Hmm. Well, how can it be true what this person's saying? She, tr Olivia treats me so good. <laughs> Last night she made tacos with guacamole and her homemade hot sauce. Oh my, tonight she's making me my Mexi melts. That's a kiss of the year with ground beef in it and her homemade hot sauce and guacamole on top. <gasps> so good, real crispy. She tells me she loves me every day, you know, sits on the couch next to me and kisses my neck. Okay, she doesn't do that, but <laughs> sometimes. So I have, I have option. If I remember Olivia's track record toward me, I won't believe the untruths that somebody's trying to tell me and fill my mind with. And I won't fall to either or, oh, she loves me, she doesn't love me, she loves me, she does I won't fall for that. Same with God. Faith has a good memory. You got to think back to all the great things God has done in your life. When you're waiting for something and you're beginning, Satan's trying to fill your head with doubt, think about all the stuff God has already done. Faith has a good memory. Now, the next thing we see in his transitional thinking is this, and, and that is memory leads to meditation. Woo, that's in verse 12. He begins to meditate. Now, the word meditation, cool word. Meditation is rumination. What's rumination? Well, some of you grew up on a farm or around cows. You know what rumination is. It's what the cow does with the cud. Jeez, that cud. I didn't grow up on a farm, so I'm just pretending to be a cow. <laughs> he chews the cud. Swallows the cud. Brings it back up. Chews it some more. Swallows it. Brings it back up. Chews it some more. What's he doing as he keeps repeating this? He's getting every bit of nutrient out of that thing as possible. He's getting it all out of there. Meditating on God and God's word is very important. Also, well, watch this. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 1. It's a psalm we've been through before. We love this psalm. Watch this. <clears throat> Think about meditation, rumination. Okay, watch this. How blessed is the man, meaning how happy, how blessed is this guy, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? <clears throat> Guys, there's two answers to every question. What God says and what everybody else says. Go with what God says, okay? <clears throat> now watch. Nor stand in the path of sinners. How blessed is the person that doesn't hang out with all the sinners? Nor sit in the seat of scoffer. You know what scoffer is? Criticizer. Get away from critical people, gossipers, talking about, get away. They're just poison. And it's a pathetic, putrefied, puny lifestyle. If this is what you're living for to criticize, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. You know, I don't like the way the church did that. I don't like this. You don't even hear the message anymore. You just look at things to criticize. 
Well, you know, at the job, I don't like that person there. You know, the boss really, stop it. And then you start talking about people. You know, take the log out of your own eye. Now watch. That's a whole other mess for another day. Watch the progression. It begins with walk. So don't, don't, don't walk in the council of the wicked. Then it moves to stand. Now you're stationary with sinners. And then you sit. Now you're really in a position that's immovable. Now you're criticizing. Mm -mm -mm -mm. What's that saying? Hang around the wrong people. Go to the wrong places. You're going to start doing the wrong stuff. Just that simple. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's what the Bible says. Now watch this, verse 2. But his delight, this person who doesn't do what we just said, the blessed person, his delight <clears throat> is in the law of the Lord. Do you love God's Word? Now come on, do you love God's Word? And in his law, he meditates. Remember meditation, meditation. Day and night. He will be like a tree. There's benefits to this. Firmly planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. This is one of the greatest psalms. A life given to meditation upon God's word is like a tree. A tree is strong, a tree is stationary. It stands firm. A life given to meditation upon God's Word has a steady, unceasing stream of water, its nourishment. A life that's given to the meditation upon God's Word, it yields fruit. There's fruit of the Spirit in your life. There's love joy, and there's peace, there's self-control, there's patience, there's endurance, there's long-suffering, there's kindness. If you're not seeing that kind of stuff, you've got a problem. A life given to meditation upon God's Word, its leaf does not wither. In other words, it's not on and off and on and off and I'm back and I'm gone and I'm back and I'm gone. No, its leaf does not wither. A life that's given to the meditation upon God's Word, put it all together, he prospers in all he does. Healthy relationships. If married, healthy marriage. If dating, healthy dating life. If you're an employee, you're a great employee. If you're a boss, you're a great boss. Meditating upon God's Word is important. Now, as we move on to what this man is saying, he's, meditation now leads, in verse 12, back at Psalm 77, it leads to inspiration. He says, I muse on your deeds. You know what muse means? It means inspiration. Now think about that. He says, now I'm inspired by your deeds because now he's remembering what God has done in the past, which is helping him with waiting for things in the future or in the present. Early in the chapter, we found him down and uninspired. Well, that's changed. He's transitioned now. He says, I muse. I muse on your deeds. I'm inspired by your deeds of the past. The guy's transitioned in his head. He's transitioned his faith. He no longer is either or. Where's God? What are you doing? Don't you care? He's not doing that anymore. So now the third thing is he has a new reality, a new God perspective, which is the way it always should end up. Look at verse 19. I love this verse. 
So we're going to close on this one. I love this verse. You know, I read the Bible. I've been reading it for so long, what, 42 years? It, was, it probably took about 20, 25 years when I finally had read, who knows how many times I read this chapter, but this verse jumped out at me. And it's always jumped out at me after that. But he says this. He says, Your way, this is a new reality now. Because remember, he's waiting, and God, why aren't you doing whatever this thing is? God, you have you forgotten me? Now he's transitioned. He's got a new perspective. Your way, God, was in the sea. And your paths in the mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. What does that mean, Jim? His situation hasn't changed. But his perspective has. He's waiting on something. I don't know what it is, but he went through a doubting time. God, have you rejected me? God, have you abandoned me? God, you're never going to give me grace, love, etc. But now he's transitioned. And now he brings up an Old Testament event where Moses has two to two and a half million people leading them to the Red Sea. And they're trapped. There's nowhere to go. God led them there on purpose. God leads us in ways sometimes where it looks like there's no way. It's not going to happen. See, we think we've got God so figured out. I listen to people today talking about this. I'm thinking, how can you? You don't know. Now, <clears throat> he's talking about Israel backed up at the sea. There's no way of escape. There's, there's, there's nothing. There's no answer. But then he says this. There's a path down there. God knew there was a path down there. But Moses and the guys and the people, they couldn't see it until God revealed it. But it was always there. It's underwater. When he says your footprints may not be known. In other words, God's ways are mysterious. And God is a mysterious God at times. His path and his ways of escape, they're there, but I just can't always see them. I can't always see what God is doing. And so when I'm waiting on something, I get very frustrated because I don't know what's going on. I can't see it happening. But God's working, and there's a path. <clears throat> Here's the writer's understanding. Just because I don't see it, whether it's deliverance or waiting on something, it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that God isn't already working or God doesn't already have a path or a roadway laid out. Moses stands there that day and he sees the chariots coming to Pharaoh. You talk about tension. And the people are starting to complain. And he could have easily wondered, God, where are you? God, God, where are you? As he waits. He's standing there waiting. God, where are you? Don't you care? And they're all screaming, did you bring us out here to kill us? But he turns to God. He says, stand back and see the salvation of our God. 
the Red Sea parts. There's the path. It was always there. I want you to think now. I want you to think now. How could Moses have that kind of faith in such a tense-filled situation with all the n negative naysayers screaming out, you brought us out to kill us here, and his back's against the wall? <laughs> because faith has a good memory. He saw 10 miracles in Egypt, did he not? And so when he stands with his back to the Red Sea, in his mind must be, well, this must be number 11 now. It's coming up. And there he waits. And he waits on God. And then God parts it. And there's the path. Look, we're all going to wait on God at times. But you've got to build on your past faith, things that God has done. Because there is an answer. And God is doing something. And he is mysterious. And then one day, it parts, and you go, oh, there it is. There it is. Hmm. Well, I hope this helped you. I hope it helped you in your faith in waiting, because we all go through it, every one of us. But faith has a good memory. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.